0: No, I just recorded into the thing. She's gonna to listen to my podcast. No, she has to. Oh, really? Yeah,
1: we're recording right now.
0: Yeah, we're recording. Welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today we're joined by one of my best and one of my oldest friends, Rachel Erasmus. Rachel was born in Manchester, England, but she moved to Canada when she was only four months old. Later in life, she had the opportunity to live. In France for 18 months. There, she tells us she gained a greater appreciation for other cultures and other peoples. She also shares with us that her greatest struggle in life, and this is true, is that her parents are too cool. So cool, in fact, that her friends normally hang out with them at parties instead of her. Remember, after today's episode, to take some time out of your day to listen. To somebody around you, just for five minutes, take that time to learn about the people in your life. Rachel Erasmus, welcome to My Wax Museum. You can bring the mic down a little bit. It doesn't have to be in front of your eyeballs. (laughs) Okay. Um, So welcome. Welcome to my show. You basically begged to to be on here, which I mean. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's pretty high demand right now.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. uh, Even
1: after all my begging?
0: After all your begging, I was like, listen, Rachel, I only have one criterion (laughs) for having people on the show. And that is I have to know them. And And I uh, fit the bill. And you fit the bill. So why don't you tell the listeners, all the people out there at home, listening now, how we know each other.
1: Well, Alex and I have known each other for a long time. Um, It goes all the way... Well, technically... I think it goes back further than grade 10, but grade 10 is when I remember becoming actual friends with you, Mm -hmm. Um, when we were both in high school at Beaverbrook, and I think we, what happened is we both went to early morning, early morning seminary, Seminary, and then we would walk to school and we'd just chat and... You'd tell me everything that was going on in your life because there was nothing interesting going on in my life.
0: (laughs) I mean, there's a big difference between grade ten and grade eleven.
1: It's true.
0: Grade eleven is where things get real.
1: It's true. (laughs) I can testify to that.
0: Uh, And and for everybody listening, seminary is like a before church before school school church class. So yeah, it's
1: like a scripture study class.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, actually, but we've known each other, I mean, known each other for like ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, were you at Park and Play? Was it, or was that just Pete?
1: No, I went to Park and Play too. Yeah, yeah. So that's where <laughs> we met.
0: That's where we met. Are you serious? I only remember meeting Peter because I didn't care to talk to girls. They were gross.
1: Yeah, girls are gross.
0: It's <laughs> still true. <laughs> uh, and, uh
1: he's single ladies
0: <laughs> <laughs> and girls are still gross <laughs> uh okay and uh then but yeah i remember then pete and i became friends mm-hmm. and uh and then yeah you and i weren't friends until like grade 10
1: yeah so that must have been when we were like 10 years old
0: <laughs> oh younger than that probably yeah
1: that's crazy way back
0: way back when so far back yeah so uh, then uh, where were you born?
1: I was born in Manchester, England.
0: Manchester, England, and no accent to show for it, eh?
1: Unfortunately, no. <laughs>
0: Would you want one?
1: Um, Yeah, it makes you kind of exotic. Yeah. People take more interest in you and you have an accent, I find. Yeah, but what you still
0: I... have a British citizenship, right?
1: Well, I have a British birth certificate but i don't have a renewed british passport so i don't know if that counts for anything you
0: still have your citizenship though because you were born there yeah I think right so. mm-hmm. and and you don't have to you don't have to get rid of that when you become canadian no nope. yeah. so so born in manchester england and and so what football team are you a fan of then or soccer soccer team football soccer i was trying to you know you're trying to be british be supportive you know i just figured that's how you might say it
1: um honestly i don't really follow it too much okay
0: okay which
1: is probably all the british people listening are like how can you not follow football um but if i had to choose a team it would be manchester united
0: Mm. good pick good pick i feel like that's everybody's default yep If whenever I see somebody here wearing you know a jersey or shirt or sweater, it's, it's always menu, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yep,
0: it's pretty funny uh and then and then how long did you live there
1: i sorry um I lived there for four months, wow, and then we moved to Canada
0: <laughs> that, oh, is that short eh yep and uh and so you wouldn't have even known about the move. You weren't aware. I was not aware. aware. <laughs> and where in Canada did you move to?
1: Here, Calgary. To Calgary? Yeah, oh, I think we lived in the north first. Oh, okay. And then we moved to our old house in Mackenzie Lake. We lived there for most of my life.
0: Yeah, you were there forever.
1: Yeah, for probably like uh, 16 or more years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we moved to Mahogany, so.
0: Nice, nice. And, uh, and what, because your parents are both English.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So why leave? What moved you guys?
1: My dad's work. Um, they gave him a few places to choose from, actually, and they decided on Canada.
0: Really? Do you know why?
1: They, I don't know, it felt right. <laughs> really? Yeah spent a lot of time pondering about it and decided on canada
0: well i like canada and i like you guys as my friends so i think you made the right choice in my opinion (laughs) i Uh, think we did too (laughs) and and so what has your experience been like living here
1: um i don't think it's very different to yours
0: (laughs) well i mean i mean what do you what do you like about it what do you find particularly nice
1: Um, well, I don't really have anything to compare it to. Well, I guess other than my time in France, but that wasn't really me living there per se. What I really like about Canada is not the weather, but (laughs) I really like the people. I think the people are really polite and, but they're also like, they're pretty genuine. Mm. Um, and i i don't know i just like living in canada and you know it's a free country
0: (laughs) yeah voted today yep the date of this recording
1: yep it is now almost too late to vote but
0: and by the time this comes out it will definitely be too late (laughs) late to vote you (laughs) missed the boat yes and so so you mentioned living in france how, how did that compare to living in Canada? What was, what was the difference? What was the same?
1: Uh, well, the biggest difference was probably the language. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, but other than that, it's it's very different from Canada. Mm-hmm. As in, the people are very different. They're very a lot more reserved. Um, they're little paranoid I'd say really
0: yeah about
1: they're a little more worried about it you can understand with what they've been through like the terrorist attacks and all that right but they're a lot more scared of like strangers and uh, people they don't know, know coming up and talking to them like um but it's also like France is very culture-rich country. Mm-hmm. There's so much to learn, and what I found out is that most French people know a lot about their country's history, hmm. whereas I do not know <laughs> a lot about Canada's history.
0: Why Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just what's taught in school, or because it's not like we don't learn Canadian history in school?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I think I honestly don't know why. I just, I really admire it. Like it gave me motivation to learn more about Canada's history because people would ask me like, why does Canada have a Thanksgiving? Like why is it different Mm. than American Thanksgiving? And I could not give them an answer. And that, yeah, (laughs) I felt kind of dumb. (laughs) Oh,
0: maybe I should learn a little bit of this. Yeah. And of course, I mean, you're not going to learn everything. You're going to, you know.
1: That that would be impossible. Yeah.
0: There's a lot to know. Uh, but what, and so, and so did living over there, did it give you a bigger appreciation of your country, of Canada?
1: Um, I think it gave me a greater appreciation for cu- all cultures. Yeah. It made my, it made me want to learn more about other people. I think, cause I, before living there, I... Like, I like meeting new people, but I guess I hadn't really thought about meeting new cultures because most people I meet here have a very similar culture to me and the friends I have have very similar cultures. But living in France, I met so many people from all different parts of the world who spoke all kinds of languages and Mm. had all different kinds of cultures and it made me just realize how diverse the world is right but living in my little bubble here in canada i didn't see that before
0: that's that's interesting i mean even even though canada's very multicultural you still felt like you didn't get exposed to as much whilst here
1: i feel like canada claims to be multicultural but compared to like living in france like it's so different. Really? It's so different.
0: Hmm. <laughs> that's it that's interesting to me because I've always I mean I've lived in Canada all my life. I've <laughs> always seen it as multicultural and, and kinda having that. So what's what's the difference in that variety of cultures?
1: I mean, it could just be that I didn't really put myself out there, whereas in France I was always talking to people and meeting people, so... But I think it also has partly to do with the amount of refugees in France. Right. There are a lot of people from Africa, from South America, from the Middle East, just everywhere. Really? And you also meet tourists from all over the place, and so... Whereas in Canada, it's not really a touristy place, and...
0: Yeah, at least not in... Calgary and yeah. the suburbs of <laughs> Calgary where we live
1: yeah it's true and I yeah um but in France they're right next to Africa and that's where the majority of their refugees come from I think right. or the middle or like Asia and they're just closer right and right. a lot of people in Africa speak French and so they go to France
0: right because it's a common language that makes sense yeah and so, uh, going back a little bit to growing up in Calgary uh you lived in pretty much the same house your whole life mm-hmm. and what like did you feel I'm trying to think of how how to phrase it did you did you feel like you had a standard upbringing, like your life was pretty normal? Yeah. Yeah?
1: Uh, well, I don't know what qualifies as normal nowadays.
0: <laughs> right, I right, but had, for you.
1: I think I had a very privileged upbringing. Like, I never really wanted for anything growing right. up. I have two loving parents, six most of the time loving siblings, <laughs> and... um yeah I had a pretty happy childhood. Nothing really to complain about thinking back on it
0: yeah and did you like uh going through your teenage years i love I love hearing what people's teenage experiences were like because it's just this the most awkward time, the most <laughs> uncomfortable time and and it's it's hard to look at it and laugh while you're in it
1: oh yeah teenagers cannot laugh at themselves No.
0: (laughs) but then when you step out when you're done when you're through you look at teenagers and you just kind of chuckle because you think i went through that you'll get over it yeah right
1: That's true and you think oh you're so little you don't know what yeah (laughs) you think like high school is so important but once you're out of it you question why you thought that (laughs)
0: yeah well, I didn't think high school was important, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, uh, Alex
1: was a unique teenager. <laughs> yeah,
0: very still is a special. unique teenager. I'm still a unique teenager. Yeah, it's true. No, I think I'm nine years old. Uh, so, so growing up, being a teenager, were there any particular experiences that were like poignant or uh, life changing or particularly interesting? And or embarrassing for you,
1: <laughs> just throw that in at the end, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I don't know if I had any super big moments as a teenager, really. I avoided drama for most of my high school life, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it wasn't till after high school when all the drama seemed to <laughs> come and hit me in the face. Um and
0: how do you, do you deal with that drama?
1: Um honestly I just I tried to rely on my own judgment and on I asked like I talked a lot to my family members yeah. about everything that goes on in my life. So Lucky um, then <laughs> <Get> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Do
0: you take their input?
1: Um, usually. Yeah. I usually, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm. I trust my, like, I really respect my parents and my siblings, and so their opinions mean a lot to me. And so, whenever I'm trying to make a big decision, I'm. I usually talk to. A lot of them, (laughs) not just one. I talked to like my parents and my sisters and my sister-in-law and it's, but it's, I love having so many people to reach out to. Right. Because I also have friends that I talk to about it. And so I'm just, I'm very blessed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you think, because I mean, you have a lot of friends, uh, but you also have a big family. Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like they're just kind of like built in? counselors and friends and stuff uh, do you see them that way or are they sometimes burdens (laughs) weighing you down
1: well i don't know if they're ever gonna listen to this (laughs) probably i don't i don't see them as burdens i i really do see them as like built-in lifelong friends Hmm. and i guess counselors although i don't really see them as People I sit down to have a session with and well, they're like, "Well, tell me how you feel." Yeah. Yeah. Although that's what they say pretty much. <laughs>
0: tell me how you feel. And then they tell you how they feel about it.
1: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Usually counselors don't do that. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, this is what you should do. Slashes tires. This is what keys I would cars. do if
1: I was in your situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little special counselor. Right? Is family. Mm. Uh, and and so how how did that benefit you growing up? Because you mentioned you had a privileged upbringing with all these people surrounding you and stuff. And so how did that big family, those built-in friends, and that built-in kind of advice feedback system in your life, how did that help you?
1: Um, I think it helped me to worry less about things i've never been a huge worrier i think part of it is probably from knowing that i have people in my corner Hmm. that no matter what i do no matter what happens in my life that i'm always gonna have my family there for me and the my friends that have always been there for me so i think that is a big part of who i am
0: and how do you put yourself in other people's corner?
1: How do I put myself?
0: Yeah, like what do you do to be in someone else's corner for them?
1: Um, well, I try and be there for them. Um, I try and keep in touch with people as much as I can, especially if I'm in another city. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just... I do my best to let them know that I'm always there for them if they need someone to talk to.
0: Hmm.
1: I I feel like you know that. <laughs> well, I know that, but I'm asking you to tell the audience.
0: I I agree that well, it's I true. Well, I meant
1: for like in our friendship, like you've n- always known that. Yeah. You can come and talk to me about anything.
0: Yeah. And that's that's why you're on the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> we chat, we chat all the time. You're actually, you are one of the few people that I call on kind of a regular basis while I'm away at school so we can chat and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so I can attest, you are in probably many people's corner, including the eight built-in people uh, you have in your family, plus the additional I know, I was about to say,
1: it's like 10 now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The number keeps going up. <laughs>
1: And it will continue going. And it,
0: that's, I mean, that's the idea, at least. <laughs> a lot is yet to be seen. Maybe you'll never get married, Rachel.
1: I wasn't talking about my husband. I was talking about my siblings getting married. Oh, so
0: okay. So you're not getting married, but the rest of them are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That <laughs> makes a lot more sense then. I can see that. I can see that. Um, and then, and so. Growing up, you had that, and then you moved away to France uh, for a mission, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and you did not take those built in people with you.
1: I did not.
0: You took nobody with you.
1: Just myself.
0: <laughs> and so, was that was that hard for you to do to just leave?
1: Um, initially, no. I was very, very excited to go on a mission. Mm -hmm. So saying goodbye at the airport was funny for me because I was not sad at all. Really? No, I was not sad, I did not cry, I did not get emotional. I was pretty much jumping up and down. I was so excited. And my parents and my siblings that were there were like tearing up and trying not to cry. (laughs) And there was me going, Okay, bye guys. I'll see you in 18 months.
0: Holy cow. So you weren't even sympathy crying. No. (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Well, I was trying to like keep, I guess I was trying to keep down my...
0: Excitement (laughs) because you didn't want them to think like...
1: Like I didn't care. I think the closest I came to getting emotional was when my mom hugged me goodbye. Mm. But even then, it wasn't. <laughs> I was still fine. <laughs> really, but it got harder afterwards. Um, so at the MTC, the training center for missionaries, um, I was there for six weeks, and I think that's when it really hit me that I was, I was gone. Like I was not coming home right. for a long time. Um and then there i had like a couple moments at the mtc where i felt a little sad like but even then i wasn't it wasn't bad at the mtc but then when i got to france and it was super hard that's when i really started to miss home and i was like i don't know if i can do this <laughs> don't know if i can stay away from my family for so long but at the same time it was something that i'd wanted to do for so long right that my motivation to be on a mission sorry (laughs) my motivation to be on a mission surpassed my homesickness
0: Hmm. and so that kind of pushed you through it yeah got you out on the other end yeah was it did it ever feel like too much
1: i think every missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will say that they had at least a few moments on the mission when it was too much.
0: Yeah. And and you just kept pushing through with that same motivation of you wanted to be there?
1: Um. Well, there were points of my mission where you, you don't, where I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. They're pretty brief for me, but... Um. I think what got me through that was a lot of prayer and <laughs> um good companions um and so they I was very blessed on my mission with good people to work with, and I loved all of them. they're incredible people,
0: yeah, that's awesome and then and so then I mean, you built up people out there that you knew and that you loved, mm-hmm and uh and were in your corner and then you left them yep (laughs) and so how did that feel
1: it was don't think I'm an awful person but it was kind of the same as when I left because those I feel like those things don't really hit me until later but whenever I was leaving an area that I'd been even if I'd been working there for a long time right I think a part of me knew that it was time to move on and at the same time, it didn't really hit me that I might not see them again. Right. I think the only time it really hit me that I was, like, leaving somewhere was when I was going home. Like, when I was leaving the mission. And it it hit me once, and I, like, cried like a baby on my um, mission president's wife's shoulder yeah. <laughs> in the temple. And then... <laughs> Um, actually it was my first mission president's wife because I had two. And then after that, I was just, I think I was just kind of in shock. <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: And, and then when did it, when did it really hit you that you were home?
1: Um, oh, I don't even know. Cause when I got home, my whole family was there to greet me and I was still just in shock. I remember being scared to see my family. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was actually really scared. It was kind of weird. But I was like I um when you're coming out of the arrivals gate, like <laughs> I remember being s- so worried that I was going to see them like through the doors before I had actually come through and right. I was just, just like I don't know if I'm ready to see them. <laughs> Because I feel like that's, I knew that once I, like, seeing them would just remind me that I was not on the mission anymore. Right. Like, this was the end of a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, hesitating. I was like, okay, <laughs> I need to go. So then eventually went through the doors and my saw my little brother and my dad, like, sprinting at me. <laughs> It was so fun.
0: Well, and your family changed a lot during that time. I mean, a year and a half.
1: Yeah, my brother, my older brother got married. Peter got married. He
0: got married while you were gone? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you weren't here for that.
1: Alex. (laughs) Well. I'm just kidding. Um, A
0: lot's happened.
1: (laughs) But yeah, Peter got married. um, Which I knew that was going to happen before I left. Yeah. What I did not expect is for my little sister to get engaged. <laughs> mm-hmm. So by the time I got home, she had been engaged for five months. And they were getting married in three or no, two months.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, they. Oh, yeah. You've only been home for, what, a year?
1: Yeah, it's coming up on a year this month.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And Ben and Lizzie have only been married that long?
1: They are. It feels like it's been like three years. They've been married for nine months. That's crazy. That is
0: crazy. I know. (laughs) Yeah. No, it feels like years, though. That's weird. Time flies when you're having fun, you know.
1: That's true.
0: And so you made it back in time for that. Was that? I mean, you already knew Pete's wife, Abby. Mm Mm-hmm. We're like best friends. Yeah. So that that wasn't like a oh nice to meet you right that was like a (laughs) hug greeting you know good so good to see you you know yeah i'm sorry i was an awful person and didn't come to your wedding
1: (laughs) uh uh more like you guys are awful people for for not waiting (laughs) right
0: (laughs) i'm sure they feel that way uh no they don't (laughs) they
1: do not (laughs) they wouldn't well i think abby would at least Abby was sad that I wasn't there. I think Peter was just excited to marry Abby. <laughs> yeah, but I,
0: I mean, you know, I'm sure she's happier that she got married. Yeah. Right.
1: They were really sweet though. Abby sent me for my birthday they sent my birthday was like a week after their wedding. Right. For my birthday they sent me um a necklace that all the bridesmaids had worn for the wedding. Oh, that's nice. So I was like sort of part of the wedding party. Just right. Not physically, the In though. heart. <laughs> and I wore that necklace, like, every day for the next few weeks.
0: <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's sweet. I like those nice little... It's thoughtful. Yeah. It know? was
1: really sweet. Like, it made me really happy that they had thought of me. They got me that and something else, but I don't remember what it was now. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. <laughs> oh, Peter got me a name tag Um, that said Elder on it, which is like
0: why it
1: was in French too and he didn't speak French on his mission but he ordered it specially when he found out where I was going
0: and so and it, but it was for him like,
1: no he just sent it to me and thought it was funny because it said elder and not sister on it
0: <laughs> okay A weirdo thanks Pete
1: wow. I still have it
0: and uh and then and then you came back and met Ben you hadn't met Ben before, had you? i had
1: never met Ben. I had heard a lot about him. He had even emailed me.
0: They started dating right, right after, after you left. left. Right I after I left. That. They
1: started dating. Yeah. And then I remember her saying things like, I think I love him. Like I think And she started talking about like being in love and getting married and I was just thinking, what <laughs> You don't like boys, remember? you When I left, she just, she's like, boys are the worst.
0: Yeah, and then literally a month later, she starts going out with Ben. Yeah. I remember that. I remember meeting him. Great guy. He I is a great
1: him. guy. Ben, you're great if you listen to this. <laughs> I ho-
0: may- maybe. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he started listening and didn't make it this far. It's okay.
1: That'd be sad. Ben, we talk about you. <laughs> do this
0: more for me than for Ben, but it would be really nice if Ben listened just saying
1: i'll let him know
0: (laughs) and then uh and then so you you meet ben and what okay being away from your family i really like to know when i hate it when my siblings are talking about someone no i don't know who that is yeah right so what was that like hearing about this guy
1: it was Really weird because I heard about him from Lizzie, but I also heard about him from like my parents and my siblings and Lizzie could, obviously she couldn't say anything bad about Ben. She's just, Ben is, he's so great. He's so handsome. He's wonderful. And then I have my parents being like, this is getting serious. (laughs) (laughs) And there was me going, "Who's Ben?" <laughs> um, and then I met him at the airport. So he came, cause Lizzie asked and said, "Is it okay if Ben comes to the airport? Like he is gonna be part of the family?" Yeah. And then I agreed, and so he came. And I remember being like, "Hi," <laughs> cause I, I didn't know who he was. And right. I think I. I don't know if I even hugged him. I might have given, given him an awkward handshake. Um, Sorry, Ben. <laughs> and yeah, it took a little getting used to having this new person around my family all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was nice that we had like a couple months before the wedding. So it didn't feel like a complete stranger was marrying into my family.
0: Right, right. It would have been weirder if he was already married in.
1: Yeah, it would have been really weird. He... um. Originally their wedding date was supposed to be 3 weeks after I got home. Oh, okay. Um, it got pushed back, which was nice for me cuz if I'd come home 3 weeks before the wedding, that would have been a lot for me. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would have been overwhelming. Oh, I yeah.
1: yeah. I'd have been thrown right into like crazy wedding planning, which I kind of was anyways, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I'm so glad. I just Somebody else can plan a wedding. I, <laughs> it it just seems like a lot. But uh and then and uh and then going from there, uh getting home, you meet this random guy who's coming into your family. Yep. L- luckily, whew, dodged a bullet, he's okay. Yeah. He's uh right. he's not awful. He's <laughs> yeah, he's just he's tolerable. <laughs> he's about at par. <laughs> and
1: uh if you've made it this far if you i'm sorry (laughs) if
0: you've made it this far i'm sorry ben uh and then and then where do we go from there after after their wedding
1: um what's
0: what's next in your life
1: then i went off to school
0: and what has that been like
1: it was good like um i really liked being at school Mm-hmm. and um I don't know i I like Lethbridge. I like the people down there a lot, right. I think a part of me still misses Calgary whenever I'm down there, which is why it was a little hard for me to like branch out a little bit um th- while I was there at the beginning hmm. um, and so. But then this past semester, I've really, I've made some more friends and I've, but I also really enjoy like being at university because it's a lot, um, freer than high school. Right. You have a lot more independence and it's pretty much up to you about what classes you take, how well you do in your classes and... But I really like my school too because they offer like so much help. Like if you need help writing your papers, there's a place to go. If you need help, like emotionally, there's a place to go. If hmm. you need help with your classes, go see your teacher outside of class. Like there's so many resources for yeah. you.
0: Yeah, and that's at U uh, of L, right? Yeah. And and so y- you say you can go see your your professors after class. So how big are the class sizes? Like how many people do they have to worry about?
1: It depends on the class. Um, My 1,000 level classes are usually a few hundred people. Um, And so, but it's not everyone goes and sees the prof. Right. And so it's the people who care about their classes a lot who go and see them. Right. And so...
0: And then you become the favorite and then you get good grades.
1: I don't know about that. Or you
0: become the least favorite if you're bugging them constantly.
1: That's probably true. You got to
0: walk the line. Yeah. It's very, very difficult.
1: (laughs) Not that difficult. <laughs> Do you have trouble with that, Alex?
0: I have trouble with it. I'm at my professor's door every every night. I'm, I'm <laughs> every there night. saying, hey, hey, Mr. Tim, former guest of the show. Shout out to Brother Tim. Uh, oh. Hey, you know, yeah, I really need help with this project. He's like, Alex, this is my home, and it's a <laughs> Sunday night. I'm like, I know, I know. I just forgot about the deadline, and it's due tomorrow at 8 a.m. And, and then he kicks me out. And that
1: sounds about right
0: yeah 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 probably don't intrude on your professor's life but <laughs>
1: good good advice ba- back to what <laughs> Tip you're of doing the day from alex <laughs> uh
0: back to what you're doing you you just finished your second semester right mm-hmm. and what are you studying
1: i am studying modern languages i am pre-ed so i'm hoping to become a french teacher
0: which would be super groovy was it going Super to easy. was it going to France that made you decide you wanted to teach French?
1: Yeah, I've always wanted to teach. I've always known that I can teach. I've always enjoyed teaching. Um, I used to teach piano.
0: You even taught me piano.
1: I taught you piano.
0: And look where it's gotten me. <laughs> I still have the books. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. And I I apologize. I have not been practicing. Alex. <laughs> I know. Well, you dropped me as a student to go on a mission. So that was pretty devastating to my piano career. You I was never a,
1: emotionally recovered.
0: I was a protege, man. I was good. Right? You
1: had some potential. <laughs> I had
0: some potential. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> and so, so you want to teach. And what is it that has drawn you to teaching?
1: Um, well, I've always loved kids. I've always loved working with kids and, um, especially when I was teaching piano, I don't think, whenever I am teaching someone and I watch them progress and take pride in what they're doing, that makes me, like, feel good about myself and, like, I'm actually helping someone better themselves like they want to do this and I'm helping them get there which makes it feel like an act of service and which is something I also love doing and wish I did more
0: right so what if what if you get a student who doesn't want to be better who does who's not really interested how do you teach someone who doesn't care
1: um That's a good question. Keep in mind, it's been a while since I've (laughs) um, taught piano or anything for that matter. (laughs) I guess I usually try and find out what their interests are and relate what I'm teaching to their interests. Hmm. Um, Like, for example, if there's a very artsy kid that I'm teaching piano then I'll try and incorporate like their artsy side into piano by it depends what kind of art like if they like I don't know (laughs) um sometimes I would like give them stickers or that sounds really lame um (laughs) But
0: I always appreciated the stickers on my worksheets. But, really? Uh, always. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: remember giving you stickers, but okay. You didn't.
0: It was it was a bit. But <laughs> <Okay>. continue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: Yeah, or we would if we if they were having real struggles like playing, then we right. would take a break and do like some writing, like trying to write notes or something, which if they like to draw is a little better for them, right? Right but it's still like related to piano. And so it helps them still um, understand better.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of finding something that, that connects them to what you're trying to teach them Mm -hmm. in some way. Right. That's interesting. Cause I mean, piano itself is an art. Yeah. Right. And I never, I never thought of, applying additional arts to it or or other things to help anything right yeah
1: like i think what i also try and do is help them understand how learning piano will help them with other things right because like if they like sports then telling like teaching them how practicing piano teaches them how to practice right and um be diligent and Working and that can transfer over to practicing a sport, right. right? But, like, if like telling them if they can practice piano, which they don't enjoy as much as playing their sport, then they'll be able to practice their sport more because they enjoy doing that, right? right? And they can get better at their sport, whatever it is. I don't know. Does that make sense? Or? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it, it's like with a lot of things, it makes different connections in the brain. You know, you try and sell them on, on the benefits outside of, hey, check out this cool thing I can do with this thing, yeah. you know, right? It, it teaches them other things that aren't just applicable in a talent show. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, especially... Yeah, and, but that also helps, too, is when you get th- give them a song that they want to learn, like a song that they like. Um, like, I taught these kids a song from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, he's a pirate, and, well, I think I taught his mom that, and then he learned it later with a different teacher. But when you have a song that you really want to learn, you're more motivated to learn it. Right. But then if you... (laughs) You can encourage them to learn their other songs by saying, we're not going to work on this song until you've (laughs) worked a bit on these songs as well.
0: Right. Give them kind of a goal. Something to work towards.
1: Yeah. And giving them a reward system always helps. Right. Like bringing them treats after they've passed off a certain number of songs or whatever.
0: Right. I mean, I'd do anything for treats. (laughs) Who wouldn't? And so... So you kind of ha- have that uh, teaching. How do you think? How do you think teaching French or probably additional subjects, uh, depending what post you're put in? How do you think that will differ from teaching piano?
1: Um, it won't be one-on-one as much. <laughs> That's for sure. Um. Honestly, well, it'll be different because the kids won't, (laughs) you think that some kids don't like learning piano, but well, a lot of kids don't like going to school and don't like taking whatever class you're teaching. Right. And so I'll have a lot more unruly kids to work with. And, um, I think it, especially at the age I want to teach, which is middle school age, Mm. That's a very difficult age to teach. And when people, like kids really, they don't know who they are. They don't, they're trying to figure themselves out. And so that'll be a challenge, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that that's a very uh, crucial time. Cause I mean, like we said, everybody has embarrassing stories from that age, except for you, apparently.
1: I never said I didn't have embarrassing stories. We just moved past it. And <laughs> can we do that
0: again? <laughs> uh and then so when when you're dealing with these kids, how do you plan to have patience? Do you have patience? Are you a patient person?
1: Um I think it depends. Um I feel like with most people it depends. Like, some people can have, like, infinite amounts of patience for one thing, but then there's this one thing that drives mm. them insane, and whenever it happens, they just can't handle it. Yeah. I I like to think I'm a pretty patient person when it comes to people. Um, I don't think I'm very patient with technology <laughs> or... Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, so (laughs) I don't know. You'd have to ask someone who knows me really well if I'm patient.
0: (laughs) Well, I know you really well, Rachel. Or I think so. (laughs) And, uh, I think you're pretty patient. I mean, like you said, there are some things that people are less patient with Mm -hmm. than other things. Uh, but, yeah, is there is there a way that you have patience that you help yourself to have patience?
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think something that my mom... Always says is that we? it was when when we were growing up and we we're talking about, like, someone at school who annoyed us or someone that we don't like very much or whatever. Mm-hmm. Our mom would say, that's someone's child. And every time she said it, we'd be like, oh, mom, we get it. <laughs> You're a mom. You empathize with other moms. We get it. Um, but it's true, and I think thinking that when dealing with other people helps me to remember that even if this person is getting on my nerves at that time, or that me and this person don't get along, there's people who care about this person, right? and they're still a human being, they still deserve to be treated with respect and, um consideration you know
0: Hmm. yeah uh that's hard sometimes
1: (laughs) well (laughs) you know
0: there (laughs) there are some people you know uh but but yeah that's true everybody is somebody else's child everybody has a has a mom who hopefully loves them and and if their mom doesn't love them somebody does Mm mm-hmm right there's somebody out there that cares for that person
1: yeah exactly
0: and uh i mean maybe they have kids it's true right kids generally look up to their parents especially when they're young kids and and you you know that's a hard i think that's a hard perspective to have and uh and that came largely from your mom teaching you mhm yeah and uh maybe to I don't know we'll kind of start winding it down i want to hear a little bit about uh maybe a few other lessons your parents have taught you that have benefited you and that will continue benefiting you
1: well my parents have taught me a lot <laughs> i don't know if i can sum it all up they have always been incredible examples to me of hard work. Um, they both, they got married very young and um, started off their life together with next to nothing. <laughs> but my dad has worked like crazy his whole life to support my mom who they had a baby right away and didn't stop there. <laughs> And he's always worked super hard to provide for his family. And I remember, like, um, this one Christmas, he had he didn't have a job at the time. He had um, been laid off or something. And um, I remember him... I don't remember, like, being there, but I know the story that... Our parents asked told us about it like we don't have a lot of money this year and so we were like we don't need presents this year we can just we'll just have Christmas and my dad says it was his favorite Christmas hmm. that we've ever had and although my dad is he does very well he has always taught us that it is not it's not the material things that really matter in life and he's always taught us to be frugal and to not waste money and to save and to get a good education and I don't know I just I admire my parents a lot and I know pretty much everyone who meets my parents just sees them as these incredible role models and I never disagree because they are (laughs) Hmm.
0: yeah yeah uh, I know I mean, being in your friends group, I can attest to that. When you uh, come
1: to my house and talk to my parents instead of me. <laughs> hey, you
0: know what? Why do you think I'm recording this podcast with you? Next, I'm having your dad on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I should. He I has
1: should. an interesting life to share.
0: He does. He does. And I i mean, I've been fortunate to hear a lot of it, uh, being able to know you guys and associate with your family over the years. And, uh, and so looking forward into the future. I mean, you come from a great family. Uh, You have a lot of friends around you. You're going to school. You're, you know, working hard. When you're 80, and looking back, hopefully you're not dead for another 20 years by the time you're 80. But, (laughs) you know, I, I like my friends to live to 100. That's the goal I set for each of my friends. And, but when you're 80 and you're looking back and you've hopefully accomplished a few things in your life, what sorts of things do you maybe hope to tick off your bucket list and what do you want to look back at and say you're proud of?
1: Um, off my bucket list? Um, honestly, I... I'll say it, but I I already know that like at 80, if I have kids, which I hope I will, (laughs) that I'll be proud of them and my grandkids, um, but that's all I really care about is having a family and making sure that they are happy and taking care of them as best as I can, even as a grandmom <laughs> right you know I don't know I like I have some more material like dreams like traveling a bit more and I don't know getting a good job but my number one priority is having a family
0: hmm. I think it's interesting uh, I think you're the 40th I think you're the 40th person I've interviewed, maybe the 41st. And the most constant theme has been family. Everybody that I talk to, even the people who throughout the whole conversation talk mostly about, you know, the cool things they do or the fun things they do whenever I ask them what they want at the end of it. It's always family. It's always that those memories and that time and that posterity, right? Mm -hmm. and uh and so i think it i think it's an interesting testament to to people you know to to what we we ultimately care about um and i could wrap it up there but i i am curious where you want to travel to
1: Uh, (laughs) oh that's a good question um i've always wanted to visit australia Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a bit more of Europe. Like, maybe visit Italy, Hmm. um, the Netherlands, um, Greece, those kind of places. I've heard um, Switzerland is beautiful. Um, I'd also like to visit, like, Africa or South America. Pretty much, it doesn't really matter. I want to see the world, but I know I can't visit everywhere.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, maybe you can. You never know.
1: You never know.
0: We'll just have to wait in suspense until the next time you come back on my show. (laughs) Uh, (sighs) But yeah, thanks thanks for sharing. I mean, thanks for sharing uh, our friendship with me. And thanks for telling me a little bit more about your life and the experiences you've had and and where you hope to go with the with the knowledge and wisdom you've acquired so thank you
1: no problem
0: and thank you for listening today not just to this episode which i appreciate but to the people around you in your life like rachel's mom told her that's someone's Mm -hmm. child If you remember that and you look at the people around you in that light with a little bit more love and a little bit more care, sit and lend a listening ear. I guarantee you, you'll both be benefited. learning about weird things that happen in our everyday life
1: woman does karate son gets nude dog steals cornbread mix from walmart police say
0: man marries hologram
1: uk installs knife surrender bin to curb knife crime criminals steal all the knives
2: just search tessa and elliot argue that's e-l-l-i-o-t
1: or visit tessa